should have the invitation. Um, turn in your Bibles to <coughs> the general epistle of James. James wrote this letter for various congregations in the first century, and it has traveled through many congregations, and it is now here for us tonight. And I trust that you will hear this not simply as something James wrote back in those days to those people, but that this is God's word. It's, it's James has written this letter for us to hear tonight. And this isn't something that was just relevant to those people. It's relevant to us tonight. So James chapter 4, we'll be looking at verses 13 through 17. Pay attention. Are you listening? Look up here. Pay attention to my argument. I've got something important to say to you tonight. That's why James starts off in verse 13. He's saying, come now. He's offering an argument. He's, look, I have something to say to you. We've been talking. We've been kind of getting into a rhythm. Listen. Listen to what I have to say to you. He's been talking here in chapter 4 about the self-centeredness of man. We have conflict because we are driven by our own passions. We desire and run over anyone who gets in our way. We desire and try to gain through our own power. When we pray, we only ask for our own desire. We have a mindset on the temporal. The God we think we know is one we've created in our own image. We try to lift ourselves by tearing down others, and we judge others without thinking that we will be judged ourselves. So in those first 12 verses, or actually it's just in the verse, first six verses, James comes and he hits us between the eyes and says, this is what's causing you problems in your life. This is what is causing you problems in your church. And then we come to this verse 13, and he says, come now. And that makes us think, okay, he's going to start talking about something different here. And he goes on, he says, come now, you who say, today or tomorrow we will go into such and such a town and spend a year there and trade and make profit. Yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? For you are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. As it is, you boast in your arrogance. All such boasting is evil. So whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it, for him it is sin. When we first begin reading these verses, and we think that he's starting this new uh, idea it's easy for us to get caught up in this planning for the future, the circumstances we find ourselves in. Or, if it's like was coming to my mind as I was reading this, you look at the newspaper 
and you see the stock market has crashed pretty much. You know, my Apple stock just went down about $30. And so when I purchased it, how did I know what was going to happen? And so we look at this and we say, well, this must be about the uncertainty of life and how we shouldn't be planning for things in this life because we don't know what tomorrow is going to be. And so we're looking for some practical thing here that will tell us, well, then how am I supposed to behave when circumstances are moving out of my control and I'm, I'm looking toward the future? What am I supposed, how am I supposed to deal with that? And then we come to this and it says, you should say, if the Lord wills. And oh, okay, that's something really practical. Lord, let it be your will that my Apple stock goes back up. Um, Lord, I'm going to do this, and I'm going to make this decision, and would you please put your stamp of approval on it? If it's your will, would you do this? And so what we're really doing is we're saying an incantation. <laughs> and we say, well, if I come up with this idea, and then I say to God, uh, if it's the Lord's will, then that will make it okay. Now, I, whatever my plans were, that's going to be a good thing. Well, I would like to tell you that that, has, that is not at all. Well, I shouldn't say not at all. But that is not the main point of this passage. Actually, the topic has not changed. James is still talking about the same problem that causes quarrels that causes you to have struggles in your life. And it has to do with you and your relationship with God. What he is doing here is he is exposing our pride. Come now, you who say, today or tomorrow we will go into such and such a town and spend a year there and trade and make profit. Yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. You who say, are you a person who says, I have this plan. I am going to do this. And then we may tack on that little word or that phrase, if the Lord wills. But is it in your heart? Are you making your own plans. Well, I want to make the right plans. I want to do God's will. But are you? What happens when things don't go? When tomorrow comes, and tomorrow is not what you thought it was going to be, tomorrow is not what you planned, how do you respond? How do you respond when your stock went down $30? And you're dependent on that in retirement. How do you respond when you move to a, a new home that's farther away from the place where you work and now you're paying $4.29 for a gallon of gas when when you moved it was $2? How do you respond to that? Are you responding in your own passions? Are you responding according to what 
you wanted and what you were anticipating? Are you making your plans based on what you desire? What does it say here in the beginning of chapter 4? It tells us, what causes quarrels and causes fights among you? Is it not this, that your passions are at war within you? You desire and do not have. What do you desire? Do you desire those things that the future may bring you? Or you, do you desire the God who brings you the future? That's what James is asking. Come now, you who say, I've got this. I know what to do. I can make my plans. I've worked out the formula. I know what I need. Now, God, can you come along and just put your stamp of approval on what I have determined? The world is full of people who are making their own plans not understanding God. They do not know him. Therefore, they can't plan with him. That is the world. What does John tell us? I love that we've been studying in Peter, that we've studied in James, and I've been reading through the um, epistles of John, and it's amazing. It's like these guys must have gotten together and talked because they're dealing with the same things. They're, they're after the same root problem. 1 John 2, verses 15 and 16. Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh, the desires of the, of the eyes, and the pride of life is not from the Father, but it's from the world. What is it that causes the quarrels and fightings amongst you? It is your passion. It is your desire. It's you seeking your desire. What does John say? It's the desire of the flesh, desire of the eyes, and the pride of life. James tells us, here in the end of his passage, he says, as it is, you boast in your arrogance. And that word arrogance there is the same word that John uses for pride. You are boasting in your pride. That comes from what? It comes from this world. It comes from the focus on this world. So what is James telling us here? He is showing us our pride illustrated in our focus on this world and what this world can do for me. And then God is the one who we tack on. Now, we would never say that, right? <laughs> but how often do we live that way? How often do we make our decisions in life because it's what we want? Oh, yeah, I want God to be happy with what I want. But this is what I want. And I'm going to make my decision because that is my desire. 
there's a very simple word for that. It's called pride. It's pride. Because you have placed yourself at the center of your decision making. You have placed yourself at the center of this world. You've pulled that world around you. So James is not saying that it is wrong to say, I'm going to go and do this. I am going to make a profit. There's nothing wrong with making a profit. What he's saying is, why? Why are you choosing to do that? There's nothing wrong with getting your children involved in all the extracurricular activities so that they can go out and and get a great scholarship. There's really nothing wrong with that, but let me ask you, why? What are you giving up to do that? It's okay to have a nice home. It's okay to have a nice car. But what are you giving up to have that? Where are your desires taking you to what your neighbors think about your front lawn or what God thinks about the way you're spending time with your children? Where are you putting your focus, your decision-making? Are you doing it out of your own passions, out of your own desires? Or are you going to the Lord first and saying, What would you have me to do as I'm making this decision? Would it be better if I gave up something of this world so that I could give you my eternity? Our pride is illustrated. He's illustrating the pride that exists in us, and then he challenges that pride. He says, what is your life? And he's not asking this question because he doesn't know the answer. (laughs) He's asking this question because he knows the answer. And what is the answer? For you are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. You say, oh, I've got this figured out. I know what to do. I know how to beat this problem. I know how to prepare for my future. And, okay, yes, Lord, come along with me. Give your stamp of approval. But yet our focus is on ourselves and our focus is on what can this world bring me. But what is this world? What will happen to all of this world? It will burn. It will go away. There's nothing that we can take with us from this world. We ourselves are just a vapor. Our life is a vapor. 2018, what were you thinking about your future? What were you thinking about your health? 2019 comes. What happened? Is it safe to say that every person in this room, our world, got turned upside down? (laughs) You had no idea. You had no idea that was coming. Like that, our life can change. All our plans can go out the window. Then what? All those plans destroyed. 
Where should you put your hope? Where should you put your desire? Should your desire be here or should your desire be in heaven? Do not love the world or the things in the world. If that is what you desire, then you're desiring something more than God. And if you're desiring something more than God, you are saying, I am more important than God. And that is pride. And pride is challenged in this idea that it doesn't matter. You have no control. God is the one who controls. Which brings us to 1 John 2, chapters. I mean, verse 17, And the world is passing away along with its desires, but whoever does the will of God abides forever. That is where eternity is, and that is how pride is answered. Pride is answered. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. Now, he's not saying... (laughs) Okay, every time you make a plan, you better say, well, Lord willing, I'm going to do this or that. It has nothing to do with the words that you're saying. It has everything to do with what you're saying in your heart. Lord, I want you to be glorified in this decision that I am going to make. I want there to be eternal benefit to whatever I am about to do when I'm going into this city a year from now and I'm going to prepare to buy and sell and and make this profit, Lord, I, I ask that you would be honored in this and that you would receive glory in this. God is not going to look at you and say, wow, you fool, you man full of pride. What are you doing making plans? God wants us to make plans, but he wants us to make those plans in the understanding that he is God. What is the answer to pride? The answer to pride is a sovereign God. Is us understanding that God is the one who gives the benefits. It is God that can take our plans and give us the blessings from it. But it is also the God who understands that sometimes the blessings we seek in this world are not the blessings we need to grow us for eternity. Sometimes he takes our best plans that we did seeking his desire and his will. And he comes back to us and says, you know, that really isn't what's best for you. I'm not going to give you that, but you know what? I'm going to give you something so much better. God is a good God. God is not going to give us a stone when we ask for bread. He's going to give us something better. We may be seeking gold, and then we're challenged, and we end up with a diamond. Because ultimately, it's not about this world. It is about the world to come. It's not about our relationship with this world and our desires in it. 
It is about our relationship with a sovereign God and our desires to grow in his relationship. So when we make our plans and God leads us another way and what we had desired doesn't come to be, when your relationship is with a sovereign God, then we say, you know what is best for me. I just lost all this money in the stock market, but you know what's best for me. How do you want me to glorify you in this? How can I know you better in this challenge? That is the answer to pride, is humility. It's coming before a holy, sovereign God and recognizing that what he brings to his children is what is best for his children. And trusting that and growing in that. And the wonderful thing about it is that is more precious than gold. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? Or what shall a man give in return for his soul? What is the greatest gift that God is giving us? His greatest gift from a sovereign God is that he saves our soul from eternal damnation. He saves our soul to eternal glory. What does this world matter? Why are we so concerned about our stock market? Why are we so concerned about our children's education? Why are we so concerned about our, our home and our status? What is important? It's a vapor. It's going to go away. Your child's bachelor degree from an important college is not going to get them into heaven. Why is it so important to you? Evaluate your life and ask yourself this question. What is important to me? What plans am I making that it causes me great anxiety when I consider that things might not go the way that I think they're going to go? Then ask yourself the question, why am I thinking that way? Why do I have that anxiety? I think what James is telling us here is that you have that because of pride. You have that because you have placed your plans in this world above a sovereign God's plans. He illustrates it here in James. We are shown that it is a challenge don't think that way. Think, what is God's plan for me? How is God going to use my future to bring him glory? And we find the peace. We find the comfort. 
we find the humility in understanding that God is a sovereign God. He is going to do what he wills. Don't boast in your arrogance. What does it mean to boast in your arrogance? It doesn't mean walking around and going, ha, see how great I am. Boasting in your arrogance is saying, hey, I know what's going to happen. I've got this figured out. I've got the plan. Come along, God. Put your stamp of blessing on what I have planned ahead for me. Don't be that person because whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it, what does it say? For him it is what? It is sin. It is sin for us to think that we can do more than God can do. That we have the ability to make our plans without God not stamping the approval, but guiding us even in the decisions that we make. So when you, I'm not telling you to say, well, Lord willing, I'm going to do this next week. What I'm telling you to do is stop. Recognize a sovereign God. And then in the decisions you make, let him be at the front of that decision. Lord, why would you want me to do this? Give me wisdom to do this in a way that glorifies you. When we do this, we will find that not only does he help us in this world, but he helps us to see his glory that we will experience in the world to come. So James is telling us, die to pride, live in humility with an awesome, incredible, wonderful, loving, good, sovereign God. Lord, we ask that you would take your word, use it in our hearts, help us not to love this world, when there's so much more to love in you. Help us not to be caught up in anxiety because we're so caught up in our own plans that we think that we must have it go our way or else things are falling apart. Help us to know that that decision is saying you are not who you say you are. Help us to see you as the great sovereign king who rules over all things and is leading us to your glory because we are your glory. You have purchased us that we could be with you and, and be your bride. We look forward to that day when all of this passes away and we will know you face to face. We pray these things in the name of Jesus. Amen.